0: It is the 200 level Mike Carpenter in the basement studio on a fairly early Saturday morning, a very brisk Saturday morning. that feels more like January than March. And I have let cooler heads prevail. Though I need to start by saying, I am probably more relieved than bummed that this Illini season ended. There was a tweet by Robert Rosenthal from Illini yesterday and It said for anyone, I'm paraphrasing here, but it said for anyone that says they're happy, the season's over, that's like saying, oh, I'm glad my girlfriend broke up with me. And many years I would agree with that sentiment that we try to talk ourselves into, ah, they probably wouldn't have made a run anyways. But for this particular season, and maybe for the first time in my life as an Illini basketball fan, there is a sense of relief that this thing ended I want to start the episode by talking about the season as a whole and recognizing when it probably was not going to shape out the way that we wanted to. The last time that I probably felt genuinely excited about this team was maybe the game at Wisconsin, and what was that, late January, or probably more to the point, the Michigan State win in January. And that was a Friday night when you made a comeback in the second half and you would have won your fourth Big Ten game in a row. And I had even entitled the podcast, I did a late night post game podcast after that, We're Back. Because it felt like we were back after a massive valley in late December, early January. But in fact, we weren't. And that's maybe the last quality win that you got in the seat. C- well, that's the last one I think you got against an NCAA tournament team. Michigan State, I'm trying to scan through my head. Rutgers didn't make the tournament. Wisconsin did not make the tournament. Michigan did not make the tournament. (laughs) I mean, the last month and a half of this thing was just kind of a weird fever dream where it felt like every game was essentially the same script over and over. So yeah, the last time that I felt genuine excitement with this team would have been the Michigan State game at home or at Wisconsin, because it's nice to beat Wisconsin. But when did I know that this thing probably wasn't going a good direction? And if I really were to pick one game, it was Indiana at home, a game that I thought for sure we were going to win. Indiana at that point had not really gotten rolling just yet. And I went with my niece to that game. I was going to go with my niece and my sister and brother-in-law, but one of their kids Got a little bit sick that night. So it was just me and my niece. And I was like, okay, well, this will be fun. You know, we, we go to a packed State Farm Center and it's Indiana. It's a rival and the energy is high. And it really was before that game started. And, and kudos to the game day experience people over there. State Farm Center, it's a rock show now. The presentation, the sheer volume of the speakers and the video presentation, it's, it is something else. So I was pretty jacked. And then Illinois starts that game up 4 nothing. Indiana calls the fastest timeout I think I've ever seen, about a minute and a half into that game, and then they just run it. They smoke you. And that entire game, we saw a team that was either unwilling or unable to make adjustments, and Indiana ran away with it behind 35 points or 36, whatever it was, from Trace Jackson Davis, an Indiana team that is still alive in the NCAA tournament, and not surprisingly, because they played well for about two months now. But I'm driving my niece back after the game, and I say to her, you know, we could be in a worse position. We got a team that's probably going to make the NCAA tournament. But I said to her, you're going to have a lot of memorable seasons in your life. This just might not be one of them. And that's okay. And it is okay that this is not going to go down as some monumental season for Illinois basketball. In, let me rephrase. In some ways, it's okay. It's entirely okay. They made the tournament, and that is something that I will never take for granted, and I didn't this year. On Thursday, you know, part of it was it's been spring break, it's been kind of nasty outside, a little bit of cabin fever. I said, what the heck, I'm going to podcast the entire thing. I published the second half, but the first half, I found myself getting a lot more agitated than I thought, because yes, I still care, and I still get excited for this. But... Let's start with a macro. It is okay that this team just simply made the tournament, finished in the middle of the pack in the Big Ten, ho-hum, whatever. We move on. There are worse seasons, and we dealt with many of those seasons in the last decade before Underwood got this thing rolling. But I do sit here on this Saturday morning, you know, almost 48 hours removed from that Arkansas game and 48 hours removed from the season, more concerned about the future of this program under Underwood than I have been since January 2nd, 2020. That was when Illinois got smoked at Michigan State. Two weeks before that, we had lost to Missouri in a very just half-hearted effort in St. Louis. And on that January 3rd, I remember being in a... I mean, it was still my winter break. I think I had one more day. And I texted Trevor and Isaac, I'm pretty sure, an image that the basketball twitter account had sent out back to work and it shows the guys in the weight room and i at that point i was just really down on things and i said hashtag everyday guys whatever they are not everyday guys now that hashtag is stuck that is brad underwood's motto i think we would agree that that was not an apt motto for this particular team they were not everyday guys they were not every half guys they were not every four minutes before media timeout guys This was a very haphazard season. The lows were extremely low. The highs came early in the non-conference and I think sort of led to a mirage about how good this team really could be. And it was maddening and it was frustrating. And as the season dragged on, not very exhilarating. In fact, I thought it got kind of boring. If that is speaking from a place of privilege, fine. When you compare it to the last 10 years before Underwood got it going, yeah, it is a place of privilege. We're making the tournament. I appreciate that. When you recognize the fact that you have two banners and a retired jersey in the rafters in this relatively short amount of time, yes, we are talking from a place of privilege. But sports are very much a what have you done for me lately or what are you going to do for me? With Brad Underwood in this program, I do think there are valid questions going forward. We won't be able to address all of them today. We're going to have to wait for whatever players might be transferring out and what players might be transferring in. I still have some fairly positive feelings about how Underwood can adapt to this climate that we're living in. And especially after watching last night, The biggest upset in NCAA tournament history. (laughs) I I am thanking my lucky stars that as bad as things have gotten, I still trust Underwood in this era of basketball more than a guy like Matt Painter. I really do. But there is work to be done and there are concerns that I have. We'll get to all that. Before we get too far into it though, Got to remind you, the 200 level is brought to you by DP Doe, online at dpdo.com For all the best deals and prices, dpdo.com. I made a joke during the last podcast that you should order two calzones, get one to enjoy and one to do the Gallagher smash the crap out of it thing. Harry Black thought it was a funny joke, but he didn't know who Gallagher was. I thought that was amazing that Harry didn't know who Gallagher was. But the sludge matic right? DPDO, no, don't smash any calzone. Just eat them, and they will deliver a piping hot calzone to your doorstep, especially on this very cold weekend where you can just sit back and watch nothing but basketball. DPDO.com. Also, Dogtown Heating Air and Plumbing. Not too late to get a Lennox Home Comfort System, and when you do, you can get a $500 Visa gift card or a brand new hot water heater. That is. Dogtown Heating Air and Plumbing, your home's best friend at 217-841-4728. And State Farm Agent Brian Hanson online at brianismyguy.com. Life Auto Home Business Renters. You name it, Brian is my guy, and he can be your guy as well at brianismyguy.com. While I am relieved the season's over, I would have to have Brian come over today. I think it would have been Illinois, Kansas at like four fifteen in the afternoon, three o'clock in the afternoon. Would have been perfect. Would have been fun, right? It's basketball. But Alas, while as he's very good on the podcast, as you remember from earlier this year, he's also uh, someone he can trust with insurance, and we do, Karen and I do. We'll go online to brianismyguy.com, State Farm Agent Brian Hanson, brianismyguy.com. Champagne Showers Podcast Network, thank them, and thank you all for watching on YouTube. I'm not doing a YouTube feed for this podcast. It's early. I just climbed out of bed, and yeah, we'll, we'll just do the old school audio while you're at it, if you could review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all that. If you could excuse me, I need to get a quick sip of coffee here on this very cold morning. Yeah, I'm getting a little bit of cabin fever on the spring break that I love spring break, but I will be ready to get back to school because spring breaks are best when you can get outside and enjoy it. And this has not really been one of those. All right, let's start with what went right for this team reasons to be optimistic then we'll get to the negative and I'll try to balance it because I think when all is said and done even the most skeptical of people about Underwood would say that you know what we could be in worse positions and I think it's okay to say that the day after we see Purdue lose to Fairleigh Dickinson in just absolutely embarrassing fashion. If I'm a Purdue fan, let's start with that. If I'm a Purdue fan, yes, I would be calling for Painter to be fired. I would. You cannot lose that game. The year after you lost to St. Peter's, the year after you lost to North Texas, two years after you lost to Arkansas Little Rock, or whatever it may have been, You look at his record, he has been to Sweet 16s. He's been to an Elite Eight, I think, with Carson Edwards. You cannot lose that game yesterday. I would want to move on. And the chorus would be, well, you can't do any better. And I get that. But one thing I will lump into this conversation about Underwood, and it's not a conversation to have this year. Underwood has earned and deserves more time. And I think that he can still shore this into a really good program because of name-image likeness and his willingness to adapt to it. I think the talent can come and he can figure out, I'm starting with the positive here, I think he can learn some lessons from this year and bring in great portal guys that will get this thing humming and not be toxic, like one particular individual that came in this year. But starting with that, if you are looking for a silver lining, you are not Purdue this morning. That is a freaking embarrassment. And they should be calling for his head, but he won't get fired. They'll keep him. My argument for why you should consider it if you're Purdue, this is a different climate altogether in college basketball. Matt Painter is operating in old school, pie in the sky, pre-money for the players, kind of NI, you know pre-NIL era. That's what he's operating in. And it worked beautifully this year. To his credit, they overachieved. But... Now, his name is going to be inextricably linked with this loss. Fairly Dickinson was not just a 16 seed. They were a play-in 16 seed that didn't even win their conference tournament, whose tallest player I think was 6'6 or 6'7, whose average height was 6'3, and Zach Eady got one shot in the last 12 minutes. I know this is not a Purdue podcast. And on one hand, I assure you, I'm very happy they lost. I wish Purdue, after losing to them in basketball for the last couple years, and then Ryan Walters and his little huffing and puffing, I'm the cool guy, the new kid in town. I hope they fall flat on their freaking face. I wish nothing but failure for Purdue, I assure you. But on the other hand, it is coaching malpractice to a degree that I would want him gone. I could not enjoy that product going forward, knowing that you could have an amazing year and your coach's team will still piss down their legs when it matters most. Now, there are some similarities between what happened yesterday and what happened to Illinois a couple years ago. But as bad as that Loyola loss was, I mean, God, it sucked. Loyola was 10th in Ken Palm, maybe 8th. They were top 10 for sure. Fairly Dickinson, pretty sure they're like 355. I mean, they're way back there. At least their defense is. This is not even a comparison to Maryland, uh, what, UMBC, the team that beat Virginia five years ago. That team was somewhere in the like 150s, 160s. This is a fairly Dickinson team well in the 300s. This is the biggest upset in NCAA tournament history. It could not happen. There was an image I tweeted out last night that a friend sent on old PC paintbrush, that old thing that Windows 95 used to have. And Purdue just simply didn't execute this game plan. Give it to Zach Eadie. It doesn't matter if there are three guys on him. Give it to him. Let him get fouled and go to the line. Didn't do it. I mean, it's remarkable. So you could be Purdue this morning. You are not. That's the good news. But with that in mind, March success is what these coaches are known for. It is how the fan base will view them. In hindsight, we look back at the Lou Henson era with rose-colored glasses, but I know for a fact there was a period before the Final Four run, 86, 87, 88, where people were getting, I think, justifiably antsy about Lou Henson. Now, my dad always had a fairly level-headed approach about this because there were family friends in the neighborhood that we would drive to the basketball games with him, and they got tired of Henson long before my dad did. And Lou Henson probably retired or resigned or was forced out at the right time. I think that's fair to say. It was really plateauing in the mid-90s. But in the mid-80s, that thing was humming, and yet they couldn't win in March. There were a lot of parallels between Gene Cady at Purdue and Lou Henson at Illinois. Now, the difference was Gene Cady won a handful of Big Ten titles. Lou Henson won one. But you know what? The final four in 89, people remember that more than the Big Ten title. I am so happy that Brad Underwood got the two banners. I wanted something tangible after the decade of just crap that we dealt with with Weber and Gross. And that is something that will stay up in those rafters forever and will be fond memories. And those are things that I value. However, six years into the Brad Underwood experience your last four NCAA tournament games, you've led for a combined five minutes. Let me repeat that. 160 minutes of NCAA tournament action. You've led just over five of those minutes. That's inexcusable. The Loyola game, inexcusable. They weren't bad, but you blew a golden opportunity. An opportunity that was only going to be wiped away if you followed it up with future NCAA tournament success, and you haven't. Chattanooga, you got lucky. Are we having a different conversation if Coleman Hawkins doesn't get that block at the end of the Chattanooga game? If you don't hold on for that win, not even hold on, but come back and somehow win by the skin of your teeth. Are we having a different conversation today? Houston, it wasn't close. There was the R.J. dunk and the technical, and you can argue that, but you were not winning that game. And yeah, Houston was good, but I saw a Northern Kentucky team put more of an effort forth in the first half than you did against Houston last year. And then this game, Arkansas, there was no excuse to not come out and play loose and play free and play fun because I'm watching these games and I'm seeing teams play loose, free, and fun other than Purdue. I've seen most teams do that. Why the hell couldn't you? Four NCAA tournament games in a row, you've led for five freaking minutes? So what does that mean? Well, it means Underwood, to this point, is not a good NCAA tournament coach. And that is an objective statement. And you could certainly make the case that there is not a big enough sample size. Eh, maybe. But while you have yet to lose to a 16-seed Fairleigh Dickinson, you have looked bad in four consecutive NCAA tournament games. In fact, the Drexel game, which I'd have to go back and remember, but what's the point, was not all that impressive either. You just got the win, you got it by double digits, you moved on. But if you recall in the first half, the first 12 minutes, eh, okay, they're hanging in there and then eventually you just had Kofi Coburn. And that's all you needed in that game. So, No really impressive NCAA tournament performances. Yes, thank you for getting us back. I appreciate it. But nothing to hang your hat on. Nothing. Other than the fact you've avoided a completely embarrassing upset to some double-digit seed, right? Loyola was not that, but... (sighs) This is what matters. It does. And if we say otherwise, we're... We're just really talking ourselves out of the truth. NCAA tournament success is what matters and sometimes I think maybe unfairly so. I want Big Ten championships. I agree with what Jeremy Warner would often say on 93.5 that you want Big Ten titles and the NCAA tournament success will come. I tend to agree with that. I tended to agree that that would be the case with Brad Underwood. But when I saw yet another absolutely piss poor performance, I'm not so sure. So the doubt is there. I think it is fair and reasonable to have doubt that Brad Underwood is going to ever be a good NCAA tournament coach. I think there is plenty of fair and reasonable doubt that he has a handle on some of the other parts of this program. And this is the bigger concern I have going forward. There was way too much tumult this year, which is not a word I use all that much before this season, but I think it's apt. There were some Weber seasons that just pulled your hair out because it was the same boring story time and time again, and they lost key games down the stretch. And it was, yeah, the Weber era was a bore. And while this team eventually kind of got boring, the, the word I would use more than boring was tumultuous, and I don't think it had to be. This was a coach that tried every single button, and maybe to his credit, he tried to push every single button, and it didn't work. And maybe it is just that perfect storm where, the collection of players, it just done, did not coalesce. That could be the case, and I hope it's the case, or it's a one off thing. But from the Sky Clark departure to the rumblings of a fight in practice that led to the Sky Clark departure to Matthew Meyer and all his shenanigans all year to Terrence Shannon and just the complete lack of leadership when it mattered sometimes to Coleman Hawkins' comments, which were honest after the NCAA tournament game, essentially saying, we didn't execute, we didn't listen. Some people view that and say, well, there you go. That shows you Brad Underwood was doing everything right. But here's the deal. As a coach or an educator or an instructor, a teacher, mentor, any kind, you're only as good as your underlings, right? Your performance is only as good as what your students or what your athletes are doing. And at this level of college basketball, I don't accept the notion. I don't think it's okay to just simply chalk it up as, ah, the players didn't get it. They were stupid. They may very well have been dumb and stupid. (laughs) Like, it might have just been a dumb ass team. But even if we go with that, this is year six. This is not some grand experiment at this point. We knew the Iowa and Kofi eras were ending. So we could say, hey, Brad Underwood had to replace all the scoring. Yeah, that was known a long time ago. He replaced it with these guys, and this is what resulted. An NCAA tournament team? Sure. But a memorable season? No. And a season that should, I think, lead to more questions than answers. And I think it's okay to lead to doubt. Or a healthy skepticism. And I say healthy because I'm not cynical about Brad Underwood. I still think there are things he can do to get this thing rolling in the post-Io Kofi era. But this was not a good dress rehearsal for that. Let's start with Matthew Meyer. It was a transfer that I was excited about along with everybody. He was looking at you. He was looking at North Carolina. You were probably the highest bidder. Let's just call it what it is. In this climate, you were probably the highest bidder. And you will remain so for some other guys coming through the transfer portal. But this guy was a dud. And I don't know if there's a list out there already of Illini players that you say their name and you're just, oh. Well, he's on it for me. And he was all year and I bit my tongue. But that performance in the NCAA tournament game you should have known when he lost his damn shoe. And we play a minute and a half. The shoe is just sitting on the Alani bench. I don't know whether to blame the coaching staff for not tossing it to him or him not just going over and picking up his stupid shoe. But this is someone that just didn't give a crap. If you were to look at body language, that's what it was. He did not give a crap, at least relative to how much of a crap he should have given. This was a payday. This was, I'm a guest coming through, improving my draft stock, which he did not. But that was his goal anyway. I don't respect that. And I'm not going to talk about him like he's some idealistic version of a student athlete when we know full well that's not the case. He was traveling through to play ball and to work on certain parts of his game. There was a stat that I got from trevor and isaac i think isaac found it on t- twitter he attempted as many or if, if not maybe a few less two-point shots this year than alfonso Plummer did last year let me say that one more time alfonso plumber sharpshooter undersized comes in makes i think the single season record for threes right he filled the role and he filled it beautifully He attempted at least as many two-point field goals as Matthew Meyer, six-foot-nine, future NBA player. That's laziness. That's all it is. It's laziness. I'm too tired or too bored or don't give a crap to actually take it to the rim. I'm just going to do a step-back three. Occasionally, it worked. Some games, it helped you win. The Michigan State game I mentioned, you don't win without Matthew Meyer. But you know what? Every blind squirrel finds a nut. I thought it was an extremely disappointing season for the intangible qualities that you're asking for from a fifth-year guy that came from a national title winner. He'll probably never step foot on this campus again. Why would he? That was a, I think, failed experiment. People could say you would have been worse without him. Are you sure? You would have looked different. But would you have been worse? His defense was subpar all year. The reason he got so many blocks is because guys continue to go by him time and time again. And then he could recover because he was a 6'9 athlete. He could do that. Happened against Arkansas once. But that performance, I think, summed up everything you need to know about Matthew Meyer. And it was extremely disappointing. And I don't think I've ever went after a player harder on this podcast than him. Coleman might have driven me nuts, but I never questioned Coleman's effort. And yeah, Coleman drove me a little bit nuts in the second half against Arkansas. But at least he could say before he had some untimely turnovers that he was one of the reasons that you were able to make a comeback and stay in that game. I want Coleman back. I know where his heart is at and where his head is at. Pull my hair out sometimes watching him shirt. Sure. But Matthew Meyer, I don't know where his, head or his heart is at. But it ain't here. And if you want to be a professional, right, and, and essentially that's kind of what they are, semi-professionals at least, then you better damn well show up and play. You better damn well lead by example if you're a 23-year-old fifth-year senior. I thought that was absolutely abysmal. He was rightly getting called out on Twitter. He should have been taken out a long time ago. And now I need to circle back to Underwood. You could have sat his ass on the bench a long time before that game. What kind of message are you sending to your players by continually allowing the monster energy drinking fool to just half-ass his way through half of the games that he played? Because you know that's what was going on. And he let him play. Out of what? A feeling of obligation? The sense that we can't win without him? Bull crap. If you're building a program, the everyday guys thing that you claim is your mantra, Brad Underwood, then you sit him on the bench more than just the last 10 minutes of the season. Kudos to you for doing that. The writing was on the wall. He had to sit. But that should have been done a long time ago to set an example. What's Meyer going to do? Transfer? No, this is it. He can't pull a Sky Clark. What's he going to do? Withdraw himself from the rest of the season? No, he can't do that because then his draft stock, which is already sketchy at best, would get even worse. It was a failure by Brad Underwood to not make a stand earlier with Matthew Meyer. And we all know it and we didn't say it. If you're Ty Rogers, you know that you're playing twice as hard as Matthew Meyer most of the time. And yet there were still stretches late in the year where Ty Rogers was not getting as much tick as he should have. Or Sincere Harris, last eight minutes of the Penn State game in the Big Ten tournament. I don't think Sincere was out there. Why? I don't know. I will live with those mistakes. I will live with losing one more game or two and getting in the play-in game as long as you're doing it the right way and setting yourself up for future success. But you didn't do that. So what price are you going to pay? I use Matthew Myers as my whipping boy there. He was only the most egregious example of what was wrong with this team and what was wrong with Brad Underwood's coaching this year. Not instilling the culture that you needed. Coleman Hawkins saying all those things, he was pointing at Matthew Meyer among a few other players. I think Jaden Epstein might have been pointing at too for not running the plays needed. You can probably see, you know, read the tea leaves here as to which guys might be most likely to leave. And it's a damn shame it's a damn shame because I think if you had a better handle on your program, this would not be happening as much as it is. Of course, there's going to be attrition. And I will, I'm getting it out right now so I keep a cooler head when we see certain names leave. And, you know what, I'll, I'll save that for a future podcast because to speculate, there's all this smoke out there about certain guys, including one freshman guy. And if it happens, okay, fine. It's, I, I guess a little bit of it is, well, it's just this climate of college basketball. But another part of it is, it's got to stop. If you have a healthy program that one wants to play for, then this would not happen quite as much. Brad Underwood's too tough on him. Sometimes I think that's the case. Sometimes I think it's the case where these guys are softer than he might have anticipated. But when you see an exodus of players, and there will probably be a few, we could say, on one hand, while well, they couldn't deal with the heat. Okay, that might be true. But on the other hand, talk about adaptability. You need to figure out what works for your players. If these are all the guys that you handpicked to be on your team, and yet they continue to leave, what the hell is going on? You handpicked Andre Corbello. You handpicked Adam Miller. You handpicked Alan Griffin. It's not like there was a mass exodus of players in year one or two. It has been every year you've lost a key cog in the system. And it will likely happen again this year. Why? So something's amiss. And the Matthew Meyer thing, the reason it pisses me off so much is partly on him, but partly on Underwood for not putting his foot down and saying, this will not abide. This cannot be the way that we're going to do it. And I owe it to Ty, and I owe it to Sincere, and I owe it to Luke, and I owe it to freaking RJ, who despite all the yips that he had early this season, kept playing his butt off. I owe it to those guys and I owe it to Coleman to not let this continue. Sometimes I watch these games, and I had someone last night tweet out, oh, I'm sure you'd be a great coach. After, after I criticized, I said it was coaching malpractice that Purdue lost that game, and it was. And this guy said, well, I'm sure you could do better. And then that's when I put out the little image of Zach Eadie, stick figure, towering over the other five much shorter stick figures, give him the ball. Here's another very simple coaching idea. Don't throw out the same starting five in the second half against Arkansas that sucked at the beginning of the game. Stop doing that. This is not a regular season game. This is it. And yeah, you got it back within five with that starting five, and then you immediately gave it back, and you fell down by 17 points. You could have come out guns blazing in that second half with the younger athletic, play their asses off lineup, and pressured Arkansas into even more troubles. Because that Arkansas team, I'm sorry, they weren't that good. And this may not age well, but they are not beating Kansas today. Are you kidding me? A well-coached, well-rounded Kansas team is not going to lose to those jokers from Arkansas that, to their credit, played hard, but they're a mess. We just happen to be a catastrophe. That cannot be the expectation here. What are we going to do? Band-Aid on a gaping wound? Are we going to go replace one of the assistants with a Stephen Gentry-like guru? I'm sorry, but Brad Underwood's making enough money to know how to coach his way out of a paper bag, which he has not been able to do in these NCAA tournament games. And if that's harsh, I apologize. But, you know, now that I think about it, I started off cool heads. But you cannot get embarrassed like that. The problems I have with Underwood stem not from talent acquisition, and it probably won't this year. I think that they will have yet another fruitful time in the transfer portal. Name, image, likeness helps. They'll go get some guys, and I think he will learn a few lessons about, I need these types of guys, not these types of guys. An example, go get me the Mac player that's killing it in that conference, but wants a bigger stage. I don't need a Power 5 transfer. Go get me the Mac guy. Go get me the guy from the Mountain West or something that wants to step up. Like the Alfonso Plummer, who embraced his role beautifully. Go find me an Andres Feliz in the Juco ranks. Yeah, it is a different era. You can just go out and get guys. It's true. You can, but get the right ones. And get guys that actually, what is your identity? Is it toughness? Then go get me a, I don't care if the guy can't even shoot that well. Go get me another Ty Rogers that can just fly around the floor and make a difference. Or Sincere Harris, who boy, I know offensively he's, struggling, My, though he's getting to the rim, I will give him credit, but boy, free throw shooting 20%, oh, sincere, I love that kid though, I mean, go give me those guys, have an identity, Purdue might have lost yesterday, but I know what their identity is, they got a big, and then they work inside out, okay, fine, Wisconsin, I know what their identity is, I know what Iowa's identity is, granted they lost in the first round too, in very unimpressive fashion. But this goes for the good teams, too. You know what their identity is. Bill Self's had it at Kansas the entire freaking time. They are tough as nails, right? And I don't expect Brad Underwood maybe to be Bill Self, though at my highest of highs with him, I thought he could be our next Bill Self. I'm not so sure of that anymore. But first things first, got to have an identity. You're the head coach. Instill your identity on your team. And this little mess this year... uh, I mean, (laughs) God. I mean, we should have known on, what was it, December 10th, Penn State. That was it. That's the season. Far more indicative of the season than the Texas win four days before. That was it. (sighs) Okay, so going forward, what do we need to have? I think you want Coleman back. I think Coleman could come back. It makes sense to me. Borderline second round pick. He can be the guy next year. And if he returns, he should be the guy. Meaning, whether or not he's your leading scorer or not, I'm not too interested in that. I don't think he should be running point forward that much either. But I think he does have the right mindset to be a leader. This year, he was in an interesting and somewhat awkward position. Hey, we brought in Matthew Meyer. We brought in Terrence Shannon Jr. These guys have... NCAA Tournament success, to speak of. They're fifth-year seniors. Coleman probably felt it right to take a slight step back. But with the comments he made after the game, it occurs to me that he's ready to take that step forward, and I think that's pretty cool. I'd like to have him back. You got Ty. You got Sincere. You got Luke. And I hope you keep RJ. So what's your core that you're working with here? For sure, right? I mean, best-case scenario... You're looking at Coleman. You're looking at Luke. Hopefully, RJ stays, and I think he should. One thing Underwood did well this year is keeping RJ playing, not losing him. And sincere and tie. There you go. There's way too much smoke. Way too much smoke about Dane and Epps. There is. And it's all over the message boards. It's not a secret anymore. So it's not like... I don't have any personal sources on it, but... There's, when there's enough smoke like that, you can kind of read it, right? Before the Adam Miller thing, there was an indication, oh boy. Before Andre Cribello, though, the writing was on the wall for that, for sure. Okay, fine. I mean, Epps wasn't... Let's say he moves on. Epps was pretty ineffective the last month of the year. I mean, even pre-concussion, he was pretty bad. Defensively, not good. Though offensively, you're going to lose something. And you're losing that continuity in the backcourt if he happens to leave. Dane Danger... So I think he'd have to sit out a year because he's already transferred? I'm not sure, but uh, he was lost. I don't know what the hell happened. So good and then so not good. Though I still think he could be a good player. I'd like to keep all of them, but that's probably not going to happen. You need a point guard. (laughs) You just need it. Even when Jaden was good, he was a combo guard running point. You need a point guard. And there will be guys out there, show them the money, get them in here. Find me that tough-as-nails, scrappy 6'4 point guard from the Mac. Give me give me something. That's priority number one. Priority number two, shooters. Not going to address Biggs or anything. I think Hansberry will be an immediate impact guy. Uh, I think you can figure it out with Biggs. But it's point guard and it's shooters. And you're going to have to go out and get them. Because Gibbs Lawhorn probably a good backup point guard for you next year. You got Moretti. We'll see. I, I mean, I have you had any success with the international guys yet? BBV, Matits Vasil, Zach Perrin, who's already making some like snide tweets about his former program. Which again, what the hell is going on? You know, you bring in these guys. It's like, do they not know what Brad Underwood's like? But then on the other hand, it's like Brad, these are your handpicked guys, and some of them are still leaving and trying to like insult you on the way out sky clark a minute after we lose and let me just address that real quick what a freaking joke sky clark uses personal issues as an excuse to transfer now he tried to back that up with his uncle on twitter saying well they if only they knew that you quit because your dad has diabetes okay maybe sure that might be the case but don't give me that crap Everyone deals with stuff in life. He didn't quit the team because his dad has diabetes. He quit the team because he got benched. And with these younger kids, these 18 to 22-year-olds, and maybe it's because I'm a teacher of sixth graders, but I'm losing my patience and giving them the benefit of the doubt when you can read between the lines and you can see, wait, this is probably bunk. Good luck, Sky. Best of luck to you. I'm not so much angry or perturbed with him as I am with the fact that there are adults in the room that have enabled... Just stupid, childish behavior. You're going to play for Kenny Payne. How exciting. I got a friend who lives in Louisville, and we joke with him, like they just suck this year, and they're going to suck next year. They're bad. I mean, that they Kenny Payne is not going to turn that thing around, and Sky Clark is not going to single-handedly resurrect Louisville from the dead. But, on our end... You brought in a five-star, you said no to Jeremy Fears, who will haunt you at Michigan State, and you're going to pay the price for it, unless you go out there and get a point guard this offseason. That's egg in Brad Underwood's face, and not to the level of a Jeremy Richmond with Bruce Weber, but that's embarrassing. The long and short of it is you lost a five-star point guard. Do I miss him that much? Not particularly, but it's still not a good look. Figure out your stuff, Brad. Here's here's my takeaway before we end today. Figure out your stuff. Figure out what are we? What are we? If I see everyday guys again the next year, I better see a team that plays with fire under their butts. Every freaking game. I, I don't care if they're the best offensive team or not, because clearly that's not Brad Underwood's strong suit. Have you topped 60 in the last four NCAA tournament games? I don't know if you have. Maybe once. But what is your identity? If you're going to be everyday guys, then let me freaking see it. Let me see the everyday guys and the energy and the effort because I didn't see that this year. I saw tired, sloppy, uninspired. I saw a complete lack of fun. And as a result, as fans, we didn't have much fun either. And the ones who said they did, hey, good on you, but you've got to admit that last month of the season was a freaking slog. It was a slog, and as Ian uh Ian Gold, uh, Twitter follow, and someone I even had in the show during the pandemic, I think, to talk about betting and stuff, because he has a podcast of his own. He, he said it perfectly. If this regular season would have went four more games, we might have played our way out of the tournament. So if you are going to say that the last month of the season wasn't a slog, you're lying to yourselves. That doesn't mean that Underwood can't fix it, but he's got to figure some things out. And it's an apples and oranges comparison, but boy, do I have a lot more faith in Brett Bielma than Brad Underwood right now. To me, Underwood is a car salesman, and I can live with that when you're winning. I can live with the car salesman approach, and I can live with you telling me a few BS lies. That is okay as long as you're winning. And when we're winning, and I see the post-game videos, I love it. But when we're losing, I see a coach that will go to the post-game press conference and try to blow smoke up my ass, which I know is not true. so, Figure it out. What are you? What is this program? Are you an ace recruiter and we're just going to play loose and free? Are you going to be more targeted with your recruiting and figure out a system that works for your guys? The best quality of Underwood other than talent acquisition is the willingness to adapt on a macro level, whether that be name image likeness or Deciding a few games into a season, boy, that switching defense isn't working. We better change it. I appreciate that more than anything else about him. But eventually, pick a lane. Have an identity. Recruit to that identity and go through with it. Because when you're one of the highest paid coaches in the Big Ten now and in the nation, you damn well better put the results on the court. I don't think as Illini fans we need to continue to dredge up Well, it was worse before him. Of course it was worse. John Gross is a perennial Mac coach. Bruce Weber is an analyst, and that's a much better spot for him than head coach right now. But Brad Underwood is getting handsomely compensated to not have seasons like the one that we just saw. Not just the win-loss, but all the freaking noise off the court, which is maddening. All the dumb, stupid things that happened off the court this year. He is paid to have that crap under control. So start now. Learn your lessons and figure it out, please. Because we're going to stick with Brad Underwood for a while. That's fair to say, and I think it's fair in general. He has earned and deserves that chance to continue this for a while. I'm not going to broach the, well, we should move on. to No, no, we aren't. A lot of times people mistake that and they think, well, what are you saying? You should get fired. No, I'm not. Never did. I think he can still. I still think he can be very successful because of the things he's good at, but it's it's got to start now. <sighs> all right, now I'm awake. Let's oh, get coffee. A little more, see, I care. I care, you know, and uh, we're going to have a very interesting March and April. I know the season is done, but the transfer portal and all that stuff has just begun. So we are going to have a very different looking team four weeks from now, and we will be here along the way. We'll get a podcast next week, and I'll try to Get maybe a, a mailbag sort of thing on Twitter and ask you all where you're at. I appreciate all the people on YouTube on uh, Thursday that helped make that viewing experience a little more tolerable. It's easier to share in the misery with other people, and I think this can still work out, but I mean I'm just very kind of fed up with a few things about brad underwood and it's it's I need to see it you know we're We're in show me mode a little bit now, even after the success he had, and the thing is. <clears throat> Excuse me. The encouraging thing with basketball is that you can fix things pretty darn quick. And it could be that a year from now, I'm looking back at this outburst, let's call it, and saying, well, okay, that might have been a little bit much. But as I sit here right now, I don't think it is. I think that, yes, he's gotten into this level, but that doesn't mean we should not ask for certain things to be cleaned up. And that's really what it is. got to clean some of these things up. I think he can. The question is, will he? All right, the 200 level brought to you by DPDO Online at dpdoe.com for all the best deals and prices, dpdoe.com. They deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana, so order online at dpdoe.com. Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing, your home's best friend. Give them a call at 217-841-4728. That's Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing. And finally, State Farm agent Brian Hanson. Online at brianismyguy.com. Life, auto, home, business, renters, you name it, Brian is my guy, and he can be your guy as well at BrianIsMyGuy. We'll be back next week. I'm sure there'll be news percolating out of the Ubbin basketball complex, and we will be there the entirety of this offseason, which is a very consequential one. In the meantime, stay warm this cold weekend by just watching basketball. It's been a great tournament other than the Arkansas game, and I'm excited to see these second-round matchups today and tomorrow. In the meantime, stay safe, stay healthy. We'll see you soon, everybody. It is the 200 level.